This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the round two recap of the Charles Schwab Challenge and the First Cut Podcast. I am your host this evening, Patrick McDonald, and I brought in the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Immelman. Mark, how are we doing this evening? Howdy, I guess I should say. Howdy, y'all. I'm good. I'm in Fort Worth. Out my window right over there is Fort Worth, Texas, one of my favorite uh, cities. I'm doing good. Got here this morning and I went out on the golf course. And I love this place, but Patrick, it's going to be fun this weekend because it's firming up. It's fast. Greens are uh, greens are devilish because this golf course is being redone right after the tournament. So they basically don't care if these greens get too firm and die. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun over the weekend. So it's uh, it's good to be in Fort Worth, man. That that uh that happened a couple years ago at uh, Jack's place, right? If I'm not mistaken, they let those babies just burn out. Yeah, they remember that was during COVID uh, 2020. We were actually talking about this this afternoon because the hotel we're in, a quick backstory, in 2020 when golf came back during the lockdown, uh, there was a small crew. We were in a bubble over here. It was Jim Nance, Dottie, and myself, and the other three guys, Feldo and Baker Finch and Noblo, were in the Golf uh, Channel Studios in Orlando. And we were out here in the very same hotel. And I don't know if it's the same room, but I have the same view, and I remember we remember we were remembering being locked down in our bubble anyway so back to memorial that year remember there were two events it was the work day and then it was jack's event uh, the uh, memorial the week thereafter and the work day it rained it rained non-stop the place was long it was soft it was receptive then it's like they just switched someone switched off the heater and that golf course firmed up we were there for two weeks and jack was like we didn't have to water these greens and they didn't water them once. And by the end of the week, they were sounding like that. It was crazy. And then when we were wrapping the show, we were the leaders won 16 or 15. And we had cameras on the other side of the golf course and they were tearing up the greens already. They were number six, uh, basically ripping up the golf course right in behind us as we were finishing the tournament. It was kind of crazy, but 2020 was a crazy year. Yeah, I think that was the uh, the year Phil Mickelson actually putted from like 100 yards out on one of the greens because it was so <laughs> firm there. <laughs> he was 13, he was, I was actually right behind him. I'll never forget it. And you, you know the chatter and the break between the announcers, like what is Phil trying to make a point here? And he always is. You know, he's, Phil's trying to 
be Phil, I guess. And he was about 100 yards from the green. It was number 13, the par four travels up and over the hill. And there was a front hole location. And you were never going to stop anything there off a downhill lie. And the fairway tilts from players right to left, and it's downhill. And I'm on the top of the fairway waiting for my group with Sam Burns to come through. And Phil whacks this putt down towards the right front of the green. It bends all the way onto the surface. And the smile on the dude's face was huge. You can imagine, because now Phil was, you know, I'm making my point. And uh, I'll remember that as clear as I sit here. All right. Well, we still have two rounds of action to get through before we get to the Memorial next week. Uh, and there is a bunch of early movers out there this morning at Colonial. The wind really hasn't picked up thus far. The scoring average was only about a third of stroke over par. And one of the early guys was Harris English, followed up around a 565 with 466. He's your early clubhouse leader uh, with some players still left on the course. And his round two was highlighted by an ace on the par three eighth, only the 10th in tournament history, which seems low given how, uh, how often they've come to this place since the 1940s and mm-hmm. only one bogey thus far through 36 holes, a real nice route, well-rounded effort. And he's come into some form recently. He had podium finishes at the Wells Fargo championship T2 at the API there. And Mark, people forget just how good Harris English was. I mean, he was a top 10 player in the world uh, before that hip surgery. And it looks like he's making another step, you know, slowly, but surely getting back to that form. Yeah, he's a he's a simple, simply elegant golfer, and the game comes to him easy. And yes, he had that uh, wrist injury, I think it was, and had to he had a long time off the game. Might have had surgery if memory serves me. Um, but prior to that, I remember that eight-hole playoff he won against Kramer Hickok at the Travelers, and he was playing well nearly every week because kind of that's what he does. And and he's played very well in Memphis at Southwind, which in a way is similar to this course because. It asks you to hit the fairway. It asks you to be managerial. And Harris has got no problem going with irons off tees and stuff like that. And then once he's on the greens, it's just it's got a very elegant approach about what he does. And he holds out very well. And, and this week, I feel like the test is going to be put the ball in play off the tee. You're going to hit your share of greens, but you're going to miss your share of greens given how firm they are. And when it comes to scrambling, he's of the best. I don't know what the numbers show, but he's got a wonderful action around the greens. And he puts really well. And so uh, when he started to go well this morning, I was like, I'm really not surprised because he was playing well, as you point out. And he's kind of got the perfect demeanor and the perfect approach to playing this golf course as it asks you to. Yeah, his his 2021, I think, is one of the more underrated great seasons. I mean, he was nominated for player of the year that year with two wins was a member of that Ryder cup team, obviously. So it is great to see him back, uh, you know, slowly, but surely getting his form. Cause he has struggled, uh, especially in the fall. He didn't look great, uh, but it looks like he's on the right track. And then another player with another kind of sizzling back nine to put himself into contention is the Argentine Emiliano Grio. He opened with a 67, was three under for the tournament through his first nine here on Friday, but he played his final nine and five under birdie, both par threes and the closing 18th. And he's another player who has been finding some form four top 25 finishes uh, in his seven prior appearances here at colonial. And then three straight top uh, 25 finishes before a miscut at Oak Hill. And that includes some really good fields of T seven there at Harbor town uh, top 25 at quail hollow as well. And, Mark, I think the key for him is he's kind of finding some form on the greens. Yeah, look, he's always been a hitter. Uh, Love the golf swing. Um, Strikes it very, very easily. And somewhat surprising, he's only had one win on his PGA Tour resume. 
But the knock on Emiliano kind of is that Emiliano's not Emiliano's best friend. I, I think if he could be his own best friend, he'd be a whole lot better because the games always come so easy to him. And you often find this with virtuosos, right? The bar that they set for themselves is so high that when they don't achieve it, they feel let down. And if you watch his demeanor on the golf course, he gets hot around the collar pretty quickly. And whereas that might spur John Rahm on, with Emiliano, it sort of gets a bit, not depressive, but he certainly gets downcast. And then he's never really had the skill on the greens, well, not skill, he doesn't make enough putts to cover up for when the ball striking goes off a little bit. But to your point, which is well-founded, if a striker like him starts to make putts, then you can get by the odd bad swing and make a par and just keep yourself afloat. And I'm looking for him to start to do what he's capable of doing more. And, and he's capable of winning. There's no doubt about this. And I'm sure if you had to ask him, he'd likely say to you that, look, I've underachieved in my career. So the time is now, especially with him gaining some confidence, to, to put together a good weekend and, and make a run for this title. Is he still uh, just a one win, right, in, in Napa? Is that... That it still? As far as I know, I mean, I need someone with a record book in front of them to look for it. But yeah, um, I, I would say so. It's And that win was his first win on tour. It was his first PGA Tour event. And Napa, that Silverado course, is much like this. It's kind of intimate. It's narrow. Fairways turn in both directions. It's different grass. And the and the greens are small. It's it's Poania out there. Where over here, it's, it's uh, overseed and it's Bermuda. Um, so... The golf course is a similar feel. It's just different underfoot conditions. And so you think maybe this uh, plays its way into his favor, but there's a lot of golf left. But right now, he's certainly trending, and the golf course is the kind of place that would fit his eye. Do you, you like him more on firm and fast conditions as opposed to you know somewhere where he could just throw darts every which way? Because he was in the mix uh, at the 3M, I believe, last summer too before he kind of faltered down the stretch. The thing about firm and fast conditions is the ball sometimes ends up in places you weren't planning it to end up in. You know, when the conditions are soft, the ball's likely to stop somewhere close to where it lands. So hitters love that sort of stuff because they control distance well. So they can hit the ball to a spot and they have control of it. But once it's on the ground, it's out of your control. And just referencing back that he can get a little mercurial, he gets some hot around the collar some. You know, when he starts to hit some of these on a fast course where the ball gets away from him, he can tend, again, to sort of be his own worst enemy. So <laughs> to your question, I think I'd prefer him where the ball's going to stop because he hits it so well. But once the thing's out of his control, he tends to get a little uh, a little uh, South American. He's got some Latin American flair about him, let's call it. Spicy. I got you. I got you. More caliente, yeah. Yeah. You know, someone who was a little out of control this week, America's best friend there at Oak Hill, Michael Block, rounds <laughs> of 81, 74, 15 over for the club pro out of Southern California. Mark, he just simply ran out of steam. We're going to see him in a couple weeks. He's in the field for the Canadian Open. Uh, but it was always going to be a tall mountain to climb for Michael Block this week. It certainly was. And, and kudos to you. I don't know if it was bravado. It was a whole bunch of smarts because everyone was on the Michael Block bandwagon, right? But it was going to be a tough mountain to climb. And, and I always believe that there's a regression to the mean. Now, I'm not saying Michael Block, what he did last week at the PGA, is an outlier for him. 
but I'm saying it was north of where his average is. If you look at his tournament record. Now in the Southern California PGA, he kills it, but that the Southern California PGA and the PGA championship are two vastly different things. So he played well beyond himself. Heck, he's playing competitor on the final day. Rory McIlroy said he's having one of those weeks. Um, and all the players know that when you have your week, you need to win. So I would say he kind of won. He certainly won the club pro competition, right? Um, so there's always, after that, not just the letdown, but the regression to what your average is. And I, I, what, I, what he shot in round one was more than I expected. But you can see that the gas was out of the tank. You know, the, the, the fight, the grind was kind of gone. And whereas the balls were bouncing straight at Oak Hill, they bounced crooked. And where the putts were lipping in at Oak Hill, yeah, they were, they were lipping out. And then when you're really struggling and the game's going sour on you a little bit, that's a hard place to be, to be mentally. So um, it, it was, it was going to be difficult when you said that you had bet on him to miss the cut. I kind of giggled, but I was on board with you in as much as what we were probably public enemy number one at the time. Um, it was going to be tough. And, and, and sadly, the conditions and the situation was just all too much. But kudos to him. He took every interview. He answered every question. He showed up at every event. So he became an overnight star. But, you know, when you're a star, the lights shine bright. And, and when you miss, then folks talk about it as well. So, that, so that's the shadow side of where he is right now. Did, uh, did you happen to see his quote that kind of went viral regarding Rory McIlroy? Saw that. Mm-hmm. What what were your were your thoughts on those? For those who don't know, Michael Block appeared on a podcast and said something along the lines of, "If he had Rory McIlroy's distance, he would be a top player in the world." Um, <laughs> it obviously doesn't help that the very next day he shoots eleven over. But Mark, you know, as a student of the game, a teacher of some of these guys, uh, is it that simple? No, um, but I'm led to believe the quote was taken out of context because there was something that he said before the time that was very complimentary of Rory, but mm-hmm. Michael Block, you know, I love you. Uh, you, Rory McIlroy is generational and these guys that are winning major championships like Brooks and these sorts of guys, they're generational talents. Now, Michael Block is talented. You don't win events if you're a scrub, but, uh, there's a few levels above where he is. Now he competed, but again, let's just visit what I said earlier. At the PGA, he played almost to his max and finished 15th. Rory played basically at his C game out there, right, and finished above him. So, so I think the quote was misfounded, but he's an open book. And the one thing every great golfer has to have, or every great athlete or business person, is a sense of self and a sense of confidence. And he clearly has that. So good on him for saying that. If, a, if he believes it, that's awesome. That's one of the biggest parts of the success puzzle. But no, I, I think if he drives it longer, he's, he's not going to be the same player as Rory. It, he just isn't. Yeah, I honestly kind of liked it too. I feel like, you know, if you want to be a great golfer, you do have to be delusional in a sense. <laughs> um, maybe that's just me. I'm not a great golfer, so I wouldn't know. I'm just delusional. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll get on to some of these afternoon wave guys. There's still some guys, uh, on the golf course finishing up, but first we have a break from our sponsor. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we are back. And Mark, let's talk about the defending champion, Sammy Burns. Uh, opened with a three under 67, backed it up with an even par 70 today. He had it all the way to six under, got off to a really nice start. Uh, that was through eight holes, but really struggled in. It seems like he's really looking for his ball striking as he has the past couple of weeks. And he had a, a really big weekend effort, shot five under in this uh, tournament last year on Sunday to kind of steal steal it, pull the rug underneath Scotty Scheffler, but it's been a lot of putting and a lot of short game thus far needs to hit the ball better, but only six behind at Harris English. I know Harry Hall is still on the golf course, but still with, with an outside chance, perhaps. He does, but you know, being in the place where he is right now with his golf swing, where he's working on swing changes, that's hard when you're competing and it's hard even more when you're playing in a place where the confines are so tight and you feel a bit hemmed in. You know, you can't swing for the fences. Uh, Sam Burns is a power guy. He opens up, he hits it hard, which is why maybe next week at Memorial, he may be a good shot because whereas the fairways are tight and the rough is thick, uh, the, the tree line isn't as close to the fairways as what it is here. So he could just open up and go. So when you're trying to make a swing change, you're between this place where you, what the habit was and what you want it to be and what feels comfortable and what feels a little uncomfortable. And that's just a tough place to be. And then you add to that this golf course, which kind of keeps you off balance. It's just hard. And so I could understand maybe this afternoon um, with greens getting a bit crispy that things kind of faltered some. But the trend seems to be there. I did watch him a little bit in practice last week at the PGA. It looked to me like he was getting the club in the backswing to where he and his coach were wanting it to be. The little bit I saw today, it looked okay. Um but I almost feel like the golf course playing as firm as what it is right now, if need be, he can just gear down and hit some irons in the fairway and give himself a better chance of hitting some greens in regulation. Because that to me is what it's going to become over the weekend. Because if you can find greens in regulation, you're going to be a bit more stress free. And so if he can gear down off the tee, perhaps that make, might make things a bit more comfortable. And who knows? I mean, he's happy about the place. When I talk to, I was on a flight here recently, and his caddy, Travis Perkins, was sitting next to me. So uh, I was getting some insider info for uh, some one-and-done stuff. And uh, so he goes, he goes, you can write it down in pen that Sam Burns at Colonial. He loves the place. He's very comfortable. Um, uh, but then I decided to use him at, uh, in New Orleans with Billy Horschel, which worked out, uh, out okay. But the, the long story short, he loves this place. He feels comfortable on the golf course. I think he just needs to be a little more, a little less offense off the deep tee, play from the fairways, 
and almost allow the, the, the score to come to him. Yeah, you, you mentioned offense off the tee. Are you, I don't want to say surprised, but like his wins have come at Innisbrook in here. He obviously has the match play one at Austin. Those two golf courses, Innisbrook in here, kind of tight. They keep you mm-hmm. keep you grounded almost. Are you almost surprised that he's found success on these golf courses? Uh, he's a hell of a player. I mean, you don't yeah. leave as a sophomore and, and make it to the tour if you're not. So, no, not really. Um, but when he's on, he hits the drive almost predominantly with a fade. But when he's making this new swing adjustment, as the arms get a bit deeper in his backswing, now I'm going golf nerd on you. The club's more shallow, right? And that's going to promote a little more of a right-to-left pattern. So now if he's used to setting off down the left-hand side of the fairway and carving something from left to right, that's his go-to ball. But with the arms coming in deeper, he's going to change his body alignment to start that thing left enough. And then if he aims more left and he squares one up, then he hits it left. So that's kind of where things are right now. And so that's why I'm saying, look, maybe just gear down. It's playing fast enough that he can. But no, when he's on with a driver, he's very reliable. I mean, he hits it hard and they go where he's looking. But he's always got that ball that peels right. And now once in a while, if you look at him, you're seeing him in the left rough a bit more often because that's where it's just where things aren't completely on point just yet. Yeah, Mark, I have a funny story in junior golf. Uh, back in my heyday, I played in a <laughs> tournament in uh, Memphis. Sam Burns was in the field. Uh, I got cut after two days. He did not. I think he clipped me by almost 30 over two that's days. Not funny. So, that's not a funny story at all. So, that was the end of my career right there <laughs> uh, in Memphis. That's that's when you know. Um, but Your story is fine. I'm nine years older than my younger brother, and my goal was to be the best golfer in the world. Well, at age 21, I was an All-America tournament winner. I couldn't beat my household, let alone the world. So I, I, I feel you, brother. I know where you're going here. Okay. Uh, yeah, that makes me feel better. I'm glad we're in this pain together. But yeah. you know who is not in any sort of pain? World number one, Scotty Scheffler. Played alongside Sammy Burns today. Second straight, three under, 67 Ranks just inside the top 100 in strokes game putting. It's the typical Scotty week. He's T to greening this place to death, just not able to get any birdie chances to fall. But still, he's right there inside the top 10 in with a chance to win his third title of the year. Uh, Mark, first, I wanted to ask you, do you have you you followed Scotty a lot this year? Have you seen anything in particular with the putting stroke or kind of what's your assessment of him on the greens? Is this the eye test? <laughs> <laughs> My eyes, I, I, I'm focusing in. I can't, I can't really. It, you know I what? Know. To me, the putting stroke has improved because if you watch Scotty, he's a real tall guy and he looks like he's standing taller and the arms are hanging straighter and the shoulders, if you watch him when he's off, the shoulders get really up into his ears almost like this, right? And there's a lot of tension through there. And to me, that really hampers oh, the ability to swing the blade straight. And when he gets like that, the blade tends to travel inward. And then if he swings down that line going through, he either blocks putts or if the face is squared off, then they sort of pulled. It's like almost like a hook with a putter. And then when he gets the shoulders more low, it certainly looks like the blade swings more on line and he doesn't get that right-left, right-left miss. So it, it looks like it's trending in the right direction. Um, but yes, the thing about this golf course right now, if it remains true to form, and I've heard a rules official say to me, he's like, 
it doesn't i don't think they care right now they, they're going to let the place go because the course is getting ripped up on monday for the for the uh for the re renew renovations um if it stays like it is like i said greens and regulation are going to be your best friend and he's doing that stuff just fine right now and if he hits in the green you know rolls it up there taps it in makes the odd birdie shoots a few 67s maybe the odd 66 uh, who knows? I, I feel like he, he may pull it out just because of the way he's playing and the consistency that he has. And um, look, the folks in front of him on the leaderboard, they haven't won a whole lot lately, and he has. So they're all looking in the rearview mirror and they see Scotty Scheffler's name there and they're aware of how he plays and the fact that he's not necessarily going to go away. And that brings an added element of pressure to it. You might see a guy there and you're like, yeah, I know he's not going to last. They know Scotty will be around Sunday afternoon, and that just it ups the ante a touch. Are you putting any stock? It's a very small sample size, but the last two Saturdays, he hasn't been great. Wasn't great at TPC Craig Ranch last week at Oak Hill. Not putting any stock in that? Not just correct. coincidence? Yeah, it's coincidental. Everyone has bad days. Mm -hmm. I, I look at the bounce back. You know, golf, bad golf is inevitable. Um responding to and recovering from and bouncing back from bad golf that shows where the real skill and the metal the mental acumen is and both times he's bounced back both of those events he still had a chance to win i, I mean, agree so so no it's just a bad day if his bad day happens tomorrow i just want to see it be around 70 not 73 or 4 because mm -hmm. if he's 70 on his bad day all bets are off i think yeah i agree with that but he will be chasing the man uh, I believe Kyle coined him the British Bryson because of his hat. Harry Hall, the Englishman from Las Vegas, if that makes any sense at all. He's still on the golf course. He's minus 11 as it stands, opened with an 8-under 62. And it kind of felt early in his second round. Okay, we've seen this before. Made an early bogey. Oh, a little bit of leaderboard gravity, you could say. But he rode it out, made five birdies on a six-hole stretch around his turn, started on the back nine, got it to 12-under at one point. And while it may be a bit of surprise, he's had some good finishes this year. T10 in Mexico, T13 at Corrales, T7 at Puerto Rico. I know a couple of those are alternate field events, but he's a player for sure, and he can really roll the rock, and he's doing that right now. Yeah, he's a big burly boy. I, I made a point of going to watch him some this afternoon. And first off, uh, UNLV, he, that's where he went to college. He was good. Uh, he was one of the leading players in college. Um, when I was the Arnold Palmer Cup captain, he was one of my uh, captain's picks just because of the record, and I'd never seen him play. It turns out he was he had a commitment over in Europe, so he couldn't come and play for us. But I was keen to see him because the record spoke for itself. Now, he's got on tour. He's stayed out here, if you will. Um, and he's a big guy. He's like six foot five. And it's got this long sort of syrupy swing, hits the ball quite hard. But the first shot I saw him hit, it was like a pulled hook. And I was like, oh, yeah, we go. I'm thinking kind of like you were. But then a few holes later, he was in the rough on the left side of 15, which is a difficult par four, shortish. But the green's dangerous, and there's water right in behind the green with a chipping area. And he's driven it in the left rough. And I look at this lie, and it is a... It has got flyer written all over it. I mean, this thing's going to come out skidding. And he hits this nine iron, like just took straight off way into the air, landed in the middle of the green, chased on up the plateau 15 feet, made it for birdie. And I was like, okay, here we are. Now, now this shows some skill here to be able to read that lie and then trust what he read and then still 
um, execute. That showed high skill and a lot of faith in what he, who he is and, and what he does. And so I became a believer. And from there, that to me looked like it sort of took away some of that apprehension and he just freed up and he gave himself looks and started to convert. So look, right now it's all moonshine and roses. It's a different deal tomorrow, but right now he's looking okay. And, I, and the way he's rolling it, if he can just keep the driver in play, because it looks to me like it could be the Achilles heel, if he can put the ball in the, and play off the fa in the fairway, I feel like he's going to be okay. But that being said, I did notice also after that, he geared down and on a few holes like the second where players were just blasting drivers, drivers as close to the green as possible, he went with a hybrid off the tee. And down on, uh, I think it was six, he did the same thing. So he's, he's cerebral right now. So right now it's all, all looking like it's pretty peachy. And Mark, we have a, uh, a comment here. It's pretty peachy for you too. With the cut line settling at plus one, you have the only player through to the weekend in the one and done. Uh, we'll get to some of the notables here, but a very popular one and done selection, the Australian off a nice finish at the PGA Championship. Cameron Davis is going to miss the cut by one. Had three top sevens in his last six starts. Some really good fields. The players, Harbortown, PGA, he sent packing early. Yeah. Um, well, look, me, there were a few of us that had rows. I think the fans and Kyle M certainly had them too. But when Rick Gaiman went with Cameron Davis, I was like, this is, that's just an odd selection. Because I, <laughs> You always, I'm always likely to go for kind of horses for courses, and this place for the way Cam drives it, he's long, but this, this you, you got to Ben Hogan this place. You you got to shape shots into the fairway. Cam Davis has got one shot, and it's high and it's hard and it's drawing, and when it's working, he's dandy like last week. Um, this place, not so much. So I was curious at the uh, decision, but look, it's working out great right now couple other players to settle on two over and miss the weekend by one. Tony Fee now, that cuts a streak of 15 in a row. It's his first missed cut of the calendar year. And Sung Jae M as well, off a poor start at the PGA Championship, had made 13 straight cuts in a row, won the Korea PGA Championship the week before Oak Hill. Uh, really poor a uh, couple days with the Irons. I think he ranked 114th out of 120 on approach and that kind of followed up a poor week there in Rochester as well. Mark, you have any real concerns about these guys or just, just one of those weeks? Um, Sungjae is a little concerning to me because as I watch him, the footage, now I have not, yes, the disclaimer, I've not went and watched him. I've watched him on mm -hmm. television. I watched him on PGA tour live yesterday. And to me, the lines in his backswing look a little off, you know, he's, he's always lined up the club beautifully over his hands going back and everything is simple and it allows him to pivot really simply and sort of respond to how accurate the club moves along the plane. Um, right now, the club's traveling a lot more sort of outside his hands going back, and he's having to reroute it coming down. So things are shallowing off a touch too much. Um, it looks like a simple fix, but it's curious because just a few weeks ago at Wells Fargo, I was on the range. I had his group in the afternoon Saturday, and I stood there and watched him hit balls, and it was robotic. I mean, he never missed and I said to Lance Bennett, his caddy, I was like, how easy it is, is it to caddy for this guy? He goes, so easy. <laughs> I give him a number and he hits it right there. Um, but right now, it's like, it's strangely off. But uh, it's, it, it's a simple fix, but he has to identify it. I, I don't know if he's golf swing watcher or watches video and stuff. But if he cottons onto this, I feel like he'll neaten it up pretty fast.
Okay. Someone else who's very easy to caddy for Dallas's own Jordan Spieth, back to back <laughs> 72s. <laughs> it is his first missed cut at Colonial the week. Patrick McDonald picks him for his one and done. Not a coincidence, I don't think. He arrived with nine top 15 finishes in 10 starts. Uh, where does Jordan go from here, Mark? Is the risk the, a concern? The putting style is almost beginning to mirror. It kind of looks a little bit like Michelle Wee. He looks very almost horizontal. I, I'm not quite sure what he's trying to do there, but it, it was pretty bad on the greens. The irons were okay, um, but ju- just not good from speed this week. The Jordan I saw last week, there were there were no concerns to me. I know the wrist was sore, but the swing looked okay. He was driving the ball really well and long. Um, so I was like, I think he's okay. Um, this week, I don't know what happened. I'm, I can't comment because I didn't see him play. But I'm really not that concerned because the overarching subject, if he looks at it, goes, you know, this year has been really sound so far. And what good players have to be able to do is kind of go, Okay, I just got to throw this one out. It's an aberration. It's outside of my bell curve. Next week's memorial. Just start working towards that stuff. Um, but the way he's driving it right now, I think he's fine. I actually like where the putter is. He's looking at the hole on some of the shorter stuff. To me, that lines him up, and he he the the just the pattern of the stroke and the rhythm is a lot more on point. So, to me, it, it's kind of you know to use our Jason Day thing we joked about with the uh, with the meal simmering. I think Jordan's simmering. I just think this was one of those weeks that he, he didn't he really didn't want. But now consider this for a second because he didn't play Byron Nelson here two weeks ago. So he let down the home fans, the Dallas boy. Mm-hmm. Um comes back here. And I think maybe there was some of that wanting to try too hard to make up for that. I don't know. I'm speculating, but I'm not that concerned really. All right, we fired up the smoker, brisket's on. Now we just got to wait, you know, spray it every two hours or so, wrap it up. You know the deal. Uh, I'm not a barbecuer, so those are just buzzwords to tell you the truth. Um, But, Mark, we got to get to the best bets. Um, Harry Hall, since we've started talking, has gotten it to 12 through 16, I believe. This makes for great podcasting. He is currently the favorite at three to one, Scotty Scheffler, three and a half to one, Harris English, four and a half to one, Grio at seven and a half to one. Those are the only guys under 10 to one with 36, eh, four, 38 for Harry Hall holes to play. Mark, if you had to pick one player to drive <laughs> away in the Ford Bronco with the jacket, with that enormous trophy as well, who are you picking at the halfway point? Scheffler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I've done this before. I, I, I don't want to sound lazy about this because I, I, I knew you were going to answer, ask me this question, but I, I, I cannot avert my eyes. There's nothing that's concerning about it. And he just looks so consistent right now. And everybody's missing. The ones he missed today that I saw were missing on the correct line. They weren't sort of low and turning under the hole. Everything looked like it had a chance for the hole to catch it. So I, I feel like everything's right there. And with one or two good bounces, he could do something uh, crazy tomorrow. And if he gets himself close to the lead, uh, closer to the lead Sunday, he's going to cast a pretty big shadow for all those folks around him. I agree. And given how this week has gone for me with the Jordan Spieth one and done, uh, I believe the eye test is the next thing to fall. So Scotty Scheffler entering the winner's circle Certainly makes a lot of sense since uh, for the first time since I made that statement. But 
that'll do it for your second round recap of the Charles Schwab challenge. You crazy animals have a great Memorial day weekend. Enjoy the kickoff to summer, have a couple surveys us, watch the golf on CBS. You'll listen to our very own Mark Immelman. You can find him on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. And I am Patrick McDonald. You can find me at amateur status. This was the first cut podcast. Y'all have a good one.